Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Jared Cosby, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have Shannon Decker, Executive Director for the Speedy Foundation and the Idaho Suicide Prevention Coalition. Welcome to the Speakeasy, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, I just saw you earlier this week, so we get to see you at twice in one week. Um, and so we first met you with through Impact Club Boise, and um, we got to hear all about the uh, your foundation and how it got started. But since not everybody was there, can you tell us, you know, about? Your foundation, yeah. what, what you guys do. Absolutely, yeah. If you weren't there, you probably should have been. <laughs> That's right. Um, Speedy Foundation, we were founded in 2011 um, in memory of my cousin, Jarrett Speedy Peterson, who was an Olympic freestyle skier. He was a three-time Olympian, and um, he died about a year after the Vancouver Olympics where he won the silver medal. Um, so when he passed, we knew that there was um, something that needed to be done um, just based off of his experience and what we knew as a family. And at his memorial service, Mayor Dave Beter approached our family and said, you know, did you know that Idaho is the only state in the U.S. that does not have a suicide prevention hotline? And in 2011, that was true. Idaho previously had one and um, had been defunded by the legislature. And um, there was a plan in place, in motion, um, to rectify that. And the Speedy Foundation was going to be able to help contribute by being the funding mechanism and by lending Speedy Story to help champion that cause. And so we were happy to put our foot in the water um, to start suicide prevention work in that in yeah. that way. Yes. And so, and here you are today, still yeah. on that same mission. Yeah, the, everything's evolved. The, the hotline was open in 2012. It's gone 24-7, texting. And so um, it's, uh, it's been projected forward by a lot of other entities. Uh, mm -hmm. So the Speedy Foundation found that another piece that has been missing has been educational opportunities, mm -hmm. um, specifically for non-clinical people. So anybody that, you know, just a lay person, somebody who doesn't have any kind of mental health background, um, because that's really where suicide prevention lies. Um, and so we've gotten involved in educational pieces and um, gone back to the legislature to advocate to get sustainable funding for the hotline and to develop a state program. And There is a lot of um, misunderstandings or, uh, I mean, I, I can say for myself, like, uh, uh, knowing some people is depression and, and I haven't, you know, battled that myself. So it's really hard to understand what other right. people are going through um, in that capacity, and I've had to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a scary thing because, especially, it's it's such a, a dangerous, you know, condition. Yeah. And um, it's something that we mask. It's yeah, not something right. that you're going to mm. talk about your symptoms. Right. It's, yeah. Um, so one of the, the things to, to kind of gauge this is thinking about drunk driving. So in the United States, we didn't start changing our drunk driving numbers until we started changing the messaging. When the campaign became friends don't let friends drive drunk, we started decreasing drunk oh. driving accidents. Okay. The same is true with suicide. Um, we will start to change the course of you know people who um, end their lives when we start intervening. And it really falls upon the the friends and the relatives to notice the warning signs to ask the question directly and then to reach out to get help 
Um, so it's just greater awareness. It's greater awareness for, like you were saying, like with depression. Not everybody who's depressed will be suicidal. I've battled depression in my life, but I've never been suicidal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes suicidal people don't aren't clinically depressed. Mm, right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I was I was reading something the other day um, where it was some study that someone had done. They said when there is news of a, a, a suicide mm-hmm. um, in the news, somebody well-known, uh, there tends to be a, a, a spike yeah. um, after that. And I'm not, you know, and I I was shocked to hear that, but it yeah. sounds like there, it's it it's, can be a trigger of some kind. Yeah, it can. They call that contagion. And so okay. there are um, guidelines, and I know that the guidelines are being updated with um, more research and um, are, are preparing to be released. Um, I've had a chance to glance at them um, in draft form, but there are there's there's specific messaging. There's there's just it's very emotional. There's there's a lot that could trigger it, and so there are guidelines for the media as far as how to convey and what information needs to be conveyed. Mm. You know, talking about the method or the location can be really dangerous. Mm. You know, and one example um, would be we use Speedy Story with um, what we. We intend to be his permission. He talked a lot about his mental health in the media um, before he passed. And so, um, you know, mm. our foundation is based on the um, presumption that he would be happy to 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 make sure that this never happened to anyone else. Um, but with his story, uh, TMZ got a hold of his 911 call and released that um, to the media shortly after his death. And there were a lot of developmental athletes who heard that call and heard the pain and the struggle that you know, that he was in. And that stays with you. Mm. Um, About three years ago, there were a couple um, younger athletes who were struggling, struggling with substance abuse and struggling with um, careers, transitions, and um, attempted suicide themselves. And a lot of that, a lot of that could have been prevented by more appropriate messaging from the media and not giving so many details about his death. Hmm. And how does how does the hotline work? I mean, so because you said there was one for a while, and then uh, if it stopped being funded by the local legislator, and so the Speedy Foundation helped bring that back and get that going. Um, but um, I don't really, you know, can you tell us how that sure. works? And yeah, yeah how, how... well, so if you are listening right now, what I'd like you to do is take out your cell phone, okay, and there's a phone number to program in, okay, and that's one eight hundred two seven three talk. Um, That number again is 1-800-273-TALK. That hotline number is for somebody who's in crisis. They are able to reach out and have somebody, a volunteer, who is trained to handle those crises. Um, But it's also for somebody who might be concerned about someone else. If you um, get a gut feeling that something's not right with someone um, and you want to just bounce ideas off of somebody else, sometimes those conversations are really hard to have in person. And um, so that, that hotline number is is there. It's a, a second set of ears. It's somebody to help brainstorm. It's a referral to resources, whether you're the person who's struggling or not. Um, sometimes for somebody who is in incredible emotional, you know, crippling pain, they're not going to have the willpower uh, to pull out the phone and call and, and let reach out that hand. And mm. so it might be the friend or the relative, the coworker who is able to connect them. Right. And then who's answering those calls i mean right so how does that like who is this 
Is yeah. It? Different call centers have different protocols. Okay. And the only call center that I'm um, just even barely familiar with is is the one in Idaho. And that's located here in Boise. Okay. Um, volunteers, they're constantly looking for volunteers. They, mm. they bring in new cohorts. Um, I believe years past, it's always been two cohorts. Um, but there is a need to progress that. So I believe that they're turning it into a trimester system. Um, they go through, the volunteers go through an extensive training um protocol. Um, they've got a, a lot of different pieces in their curriculum. And one of the most powerful pieces is a training called ASSIST. ASSIST is a two-day intensive um, intervention program and really teaching people, you know, how to gauge where someone's at um, with a suicide and, um, and how to intervene. You know, how do we give them a lifeline and get them anchored back down to, to the thought of, of living for another five minutes, another hour, another 24 hours. Um, so that's huge. And I know that the hotline is currently getting ready um, and has already started. I know that they've got a, 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 an agreement with St. Luke's that was recently in the media to do follow-up care. So once somebody has been released from like the emergency room, mm. one of the biggest pieces is just to follow up with them, to let them know that there's still another human out there who cares about their 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 existence. And so, right. yeah. Wow, okay. And so there is uh, a need for volunteers with those. Yes, okay. there is. Okay. Yeah. So the hotline um, is now a program under Janice. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so if you are interested in learning more about that, I really recommend that you go to their website. Mm -hmm. Just Google Idaho Suicide Prevention Hotline or find the links through Janice. Um, mm -hmm. It's an intensive program. And they ask, I believe, this is where I'm guessing, I believe it's for a one-year commitment. Because um, there's so much training that goes yes. along with that. Yes. Yeah. 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 But they they'll help figure out you know if you're in a good place for it if if it's mm -hmm. if it's really the work that you're ready to do. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I don't think that I will. I don't know if I'll ever be in a position where I can take those calls, but I will support them to the end. And I use the hotline constantly when um, questions come up. I'm not an expert in suicide prevention or mental health. Mm -hmm. I've never gone to school to become a diagnostician. I I am a public school educator and now a nonprofit, you know, director. Mm -hmm. And so when there's questions that come up, I call the hotline and ask for their help. Right. So as uh, the executive director at Speedy Foundation, what um, what what are your challenges right now? What what are you uh, what's what is your missions and things mm -hmm. that you're working on right now? Oh yes. Oh, challenges. So with the Speedy Foundation, the challenge is that we are funded through donors and um, funding is always hard to come by. So, you know, uh, back in September when we uh, were able to compete with the Impact Club and were selected, um, the, the funding that came along with that was huge. And so when it comes to nonprofits, funding is always is, is yeah. always a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Um, other other concerns, other problems are, are being able to reach people. Oftentimes when it comes to suicide prevention or even just mental health awareness, um, it's hard to get in the door unless somebody's been directly impacted. And sometimes it's that they've been directly impacted within recent history. Mm -hmm. So um, going to a community and saying, hey, we'd like to provide this this training. It's free. It'll be at the library. We don't get a lot of... Right. Hey, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for that. Yeah, interest. Yeah, right. But if you go to that community following you know, the loss of... Um, somebody prominent or um, you know somebody young then there is an outcry and it's 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 hard to be in that reactive state when we would prefer it takes to be that prevented. though uh, unfortunately it yeah. seems like yeah yeah 
So, and, and then what about um, this uh, mental health education? So uh, you mentioned that earlier that that's a big part of your your focus um, at the Speedy Foundation. So how's how are you guys? What's you know getting that you know that that mission out and getting more mental health education? Right. Yeah. Um, so we have been actively involved in a program called Mental Health First Aid, and it when we first got involved in 2014, it was a 12-hour a, a course, which is two days, and that's a huge commitment. Um, the training has been scaled down to eight hours, but it's still hard to get that eight hours in. The, the great thing about it is when you get a group of people, whether it's a community group or maybe um, an organizational you know, group um, together, you start having these incredible conversations. And um, so the Speedy Foundation has been able to do a very, very shortened version of that to just kind of give a taste of maybe there's an organization that's really struggling with um, the, their clientele with depression and anxiety. So we can bring the staff together and, and talk for maybe an hour and a half, um, do a gatekeeper training on uh, how to intervene with suicide um, concerns, and then do some of the basics. But it really does take an in-depth, full-day conversation to, to start figuring out what's missing in programming, what's missing in a community, how to get them connected with resources, and start to break down some of the myths and the stigma that surround various mental health conditions. One of the big pieces that always comes up is substance abuse. Substance mm. abuse and mental health concerns come hand in hand. Okay. So, so breaking down some of those barriers, just starting the conversation, and, um, and letting people share their stories can be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you mentioned, um, I heard you mentioned at the Impact Club that you have educators or, or people, speakers who are very versed in these topics um, and um, you're trying to bring them in. Um, and and so who, who are you trying to get them in front of? And tell us a little bit right. more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2019, we are looking to bring in an author and an illustrator from uh, Australia. His name is Matthew Johnstone, and um, he does a lot of work in Australia. Again, the mental health first aid curriculum comes from Australia. Matthew comes from Australia. A lot of the cutting mm. edge mental health okay. and suicide prevention work is coming from Australia. Hmm. Um, he has uh, done a video called I Have a Black Dog Whose Name is Depression, and the World Health Organization picked it up and um, put this video together. And it's, it's just a really impactful short video on what it might feel like for somebody who hasn't experienced depression. Um, and a couple of years ago, there were um, some middle school boys who died um, suddenly in Park City. And it wasn't really known whether it was a drug overdose or um, maybe a suicide pact. And Speedy Foundation does have a presence in both Idaho and Utah. And so they asked us to come in for Red Ribbon Week, and I was looking high and low, any place that I could find on something to, on resilience mm -hmm. uh, to empower these kids that were going through some um, pretty dark days. And I found on Matthew's website this book called Resilience. And so um, that was a couple of years ago. And in, in the time that it's taken to find this book and, and start you know, reading it to, to groups of kids, the landscape has kind of changed. Um, now when we're talking with organizations and communities, they're starting to become trauma-informed. They are um, they're looking to studies like um, Kaiser Permanente's Adverse Childhood Experiences Studies, um, where they're looking at the impact of 
adversities in childhood and how that directly correlates to lifelong health and um, how building in things like mindfulness and other resilient protective factors can change the trajectory of someone's life. So looking to bring in Matthew to take him kind of on a tour and just mm. kind of uh, partner up with other organizations that are working um, to become trauma-informed. So if we fly him into Spokane, you know, do a, a road trip throughout the state and just help contribute and share stories. Hmm. Are you mainly focused on the children or the younger generations? Is that where you want to start? Or is it, I know it, it impacts everybody, yeah. but is that what he's going to focus on? It does impact everybody. However, my heartstrings and my background is public school education. Yeah. And so that's where I have my foot in the door to begin with. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems that if we can start changing um that generation, if we really empower that generation, it will become, you know, a tidal wave. So that's where the Speedy Foundation puts a lot of our efforts. However, when you look at actual suicide rates, the highest rates um, are in the older um, population and Mm -hmm. men in middle years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, it is interesting to, um, I mean, I think it's so important to bring this up with young the younger generation just because they they're in and around and they see you know things and they may have i don't know it's just it's it's uh it's something i feel like in my generation that was not talk about talked about no absolutely not right no and mm-hmm. um and, and so it's, it's great to see there's more right. more discussion around this right yeah. it's it's just kind of naming the problem and and letting them know that there are some things that they do have control of in their lives um, and for some kids, that, that might not be a lot. For In, in the research, um, there's a lot on risk factors. What are the risk factors that a person has in their life? And um, risk factors can be, um, can be superseded by protective factors. And one of the biggest protective factors is for a young person to feel truly connected to at least one adult. And if you think about um, classrooms of kids or youth groups or soccer teams, there are some children on those or in those organizations who do not have that connection. And so for adults in our community to really lean in and to, um, to model great behavior, to establish those relationships and become mentors can be huge. Um, so yeah, just learning more about some of the risk factors that are out there and, and how we can counter those with some incredible protective factors. Yes. Um... That's great. I and I think um, it's interesting to see to hear that uh, Australia is kind of like this leading the path on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why, but uh, maybe for whatever reason, somebody somebody over there started some momentum, and and as you had mentioned, maybe it turned into a tidal wave, right. and so um, maybe that's why there's so much coming out of that country. Right. And the thing that's the most hopeful. To me, anyways, is when you think about Australia being, you know, the rural outback with mm. Aboriginal populations. Um, you know, I think that relates a lot to not only Idaho but the whole, you know, western part of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the West is known; it's not a glorious nickname, but it's in suicide prevention. It's the suicide belt. Mm. Uh, the Rocky Mountain West has the highest rates of suicide in the United States because of isolation, um, weather. Well, I wouldn't say weather necessarily, but mm. yeah. 
There's a lot of theories. Sure. There's a lot of research that's being done down at the University of Utah. They're even looking at just how does how do people process serotonin when they live at, at a higher altitude. Right. Um, so there's a lot of theories. But one of the things that we have in common amongst all of our states is um, just our, our ruggedness and our bootstrap mentality. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take care of myself. Um, whereas when you get to the Midwest, it's a lot more community based. There's still um, there's still. I don't, I don't machoism, but there's, there's a sense of community. And, um, so that's, that's something that's different, but it, it's kind of parallel to Australia In Australia, they do have universal health care. So having access to health care is, um, taken care of. However, in, in the outback, there isn't immediate access. You right. have to travel just like in Idaho and Montana mm-hmm. and Wyoming. Sure. Um, and Australia also has, uh, outlawed guns. And so that's another big factor. Whereas in the, Suicide belt, um, firearms is the, prevalent. The yeah, prevalent means of death. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, this isn't. It's always. Uh, it's not sexy. No, no, no. no. This I mean, is why it's not like, talked about. Yeah, right. You know? yeah. yeah, this isn't sexy. Yeah. Oh, but it is. Uh, um, I mean, I wrote down that uh, the names of that 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 video you mentioned i have a black dog his name is depression and uh that resilience that book i mean sounds like it had quite an impact um when it, those those and so i just think sometimes it's finding the right tools to be able to start some discussion with that with with somebody in your life right and and it's nice to know about some of those tools whether it's the hotline or some of these other means um what, so what's the, going forward with the Speedy Foundation? Um, what, as executive director, what, what what's kind of next steps? Like, what are you? Tra- and you mentioned, you know, you're trying to bring in this international speaker in to, you know, get to the youth population. Um, you, what are you, what's the, what's on the horizon for right. you? Right. Yeah. So next steps um, in twenty in twenty eighteen, we were able to get a new law on the books. It's called the Jason Flat Act, um, and it Idaho. Be- was the 43rd state in the U.S. to uh, integrate laws on gatekeeper trainings for educators. And so we've been helping to get new model uh, policy for school districts put in place with the State Department of Education and um, so getting a, a program of various gatekeeper trainings available for schools. So we're going to continue to push that because really starting these conversations and getting training is huge. Um Throughout this past year, we've also been working on an updated state plan for the for the entire state of Idaho um, when it comes to suicide prevention. So 2019, we're really hoping that we're working more with partners. And um, there's a lot of different people who are working on complex trauma and building resilient communities. Hmm. So uh, the Idaho Youth Ranch, the Federation of Families, the Idaho Children's Trust Fund, the Office of Drug Policy, there's a lot of people that are coming together to start really looking at life solutions. The Speedy Foundation doesn't have to be everything, Mm -hmm. but maybe we can bring in a speaker and pair it with a program that's taking place in Chalice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a school program that's taking place in Nampa, as well as, um, you know, a, a retirement home that's having uh, training that's taking place in McCall. And just start connecting all of these dots. Um, yeah. We're all speaking the same language and um, our programs, our activities can all kind of ping off of each other. I've been hearing that a lot with uh, recently in, in Boise, particularly with this idea of collaboration between these nonprofits and 
how you have a lot of ways that you can accomplish so much more with that that collaboration and i think that's really great yeah um and it is but also you mentioned you know as as any nonprofit, the biggest challenge always remains with um funding and uh and that is uh uh, a challenge, and I. Um, but for people who wanted to find out more information about the Speedy Foundation or get more information about it, I understand that the the website is the thespeedyfoundation.org. Yeah, is that correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what what might they find on the website? Yeah, there's going to be some information on um, our backstory, our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little shop of some various Speedy gear, and then some. Um, some journals on uh, mindfulness. We've got information on the programming that we offer. We offer three different educational programs, mental health first aid being one of them, Mm -hmm. as well as um, some resources that just come up over and over and over again. Um, There's links to uh, some of the films that we've uh, screened throughout the state, along with some other partners, Resilience um, and Paper Tigers. Those are films that if you are interested in getting these conversations started in your community, um, you can go take a look at the trailers, and then we can help you get connected to access to the screening rights. Okay. So, well, yeah. That is good. Wow. Okay. Well, um, Shannon, I want to thank you for coming on, um, sharing us. You know, this is, as we were saying earlier, not always the the, the, the conversation you want to lead with, but right. a conversation definitely worth having. And yeah. And more often, yeah, because uh, it impacts everyone yeah. um, in this community. Let's have and, it before you need to have it. Yes, yeah, right. And uh, we're fortunate that the Speedy Foundation was able to step up and help us get a hotline back up and going in Idaho. Um, that's so amazing, and and the work you guys are doing is uh, is awesome as far as helping this, you know, take on this big challenge in our in our state. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thank you very much. Thanks for letting us have this conversation on your platform and and approaching this this topic. Yes, Absolutely. all right. Well, uh, Shannon, you mentioned you're off to the the the, the hills uh, over Christmas. Yeah, you get some get some fresh powder in. Hopefully, yeah. It's okay, time to throw on the skis and Good. get out there. All right. Well, uh, best of luck to you and your family. Um, and uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you. 